Hello everyone and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I am your host Hanania Abraham. We are continuing with episode number 32. We are talking about purpose over here in chapter 11. And now we are going to talk about personal goals and how a person can work on concepts for themselves specifically that can help bring about that happiness towards themselves. Last episode, we were talking about, uh, we had a that really interesting, I'm sorry, I couldn't get a hold of uh, trying to paste the uh, picture of Snoopy talking about creating purpose for yourself and meaning through uh, the amazing writings of Howard Schultz. And maybe that'll be a book that we go through uh, at a later time. There is one of, I think there were eight, for sure two, maybe even three books that was a collaboration between Abraham, uh, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Torsky together with uh, Charles Schultz. And uh, I know one of them, one of my favorite books is uh, titled Waking Up Just in Time and how the concepts of the 12 steps uh, to approach life's ups and downs. And then that was written together with Howard Schultz. But over here in this episode that we just finished, episode 31, we were talking about Howard Schultz's uh, piece, little comic strip that talked about Snoopy not having meaning and how he made himself a quote-unquote fake meaning by having something to eat. But now we're going to talk about personal goals. So here we are, page 89. There is a popular adage, where there is a will, there is a way. That saying is obviously not realistic, as there are many things we desire that are simply beyond our reach. It happens to be this line always bothered me, uh, even hearing it when I was younger from my parents. They should live and be well, and nothing against them in any sense, but that always that always rolled my eyes when I heard that, not just from them, from teachers, principals, uh, counselors, quote-unquote motivators, that always bothered me because that's not necessarily true. I'm a middle-aged Jewish guy. I'm never going to be a basketball player just because I really, really want to. Does that mean it's going to happen? But to paraphrase from Tony Robbins, those, those, those things that you thought you couldn't do when you really put a, a, a step forward, those things you'll be able to accomplish more than you actually think possible. Again, I'm just uh, paraphrasing over here a little bit because I don't remember the exact quote. But in general, it goes like that, where a person, if they really put their minds to something and they really want to accomplish something, when you put your mind to something and really put yourself out there, make yourself vulnerable, take those risks, you'll be able to achieve a lot more than you actually think. But the concept of where there is a will, there is a way. I am visually and sometimes even... Physically rolling my eyes when I hear that sentence. But continuing uh, the book over here from Dr. Torsky, that saying is obviously not realistic as there are many things that we desire that are simply beyond our reach. For example, I've always wanted to conduct a symphony orchestra in Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. You can see the big difference between how Dr. Torsky thinks the way I think. Um, while I have some appreciation for classical music, when I think of the concept of there's a will, there's a way, I think there are so many other things I, I would like to think of before um, even orchestrating any sort of orchestra in itself, taking care of and being in charge of an orchestra. Maybe playing an instrument would be something on my list, but it just shows the way he thinks is, um, you know, on a, 
on a more prestigious level than than at least me. I can't say for a lot of others, but at least for myself. Maybe that's why I respect him so much. The only problem is I cannot read music, says Dr. Torsky. I would love to be able to sing um, operatic arias as Pravarti does, but alas, I am not able to achieve or have a voice like uh, like Pravarti's, and I never will. If you want to know who that is, Google him or go on YouTube, and you guess you could see some of his music. It is therefore incorrect to say where there is a will, there is a way. The Talmud expresses this concept a little bit differently. There is nothing that can stand in the way of your will. Someone that has the capabilities and the want to do something, and obviously something that's achievable, he can get it done if he really puts his mind to it and makes himself completely focused on that goal. This does not mean that we can do whatever we wish. Rather, although some things may be impossible for us to do, there is nothing that can stop us from wanting to do them. Nothing can stand in the way of our will. There is nothing to stop us from dreaming, even if some of our dreams can never be realized. This much is, for sure, is, for, is certain, says Dr. Torsky. If we do not dream of doing great things, we will never accomplish them. I know that there's uh, many other lines on here, uh, motivating quotes on this, on this topic. But, you know, those dreams that we never even touch are those that we, know we don't even start. Um, and there are so many other ways of going about it, you know, writing books or speaking in public, uh, getting an, a, a certain degree or learning a new skill or instrument, uh, meeting up or asking out that, that guy or that girl that you have been wanting to go out with for a long time. Um, asking for something from a friend of yours to help with something in your house or in your life or a ride to the airport. If we just leave it in our heads and we don't act it out, nothing is going to come of it. But the way he puts it here, the way Dr. Torsky writes it is, if we do not dream of doing great things, we will never accomplish them. Of course not, because they're stuck in our head. Great things are accomplished by people who dream of doing them. Although we have our limitations, the fact that we have enormous untapped energies. There are, for instance, numerous instances where people in crisis have done things that appear to be superhuman. There is a recorded incident of a mother whose baby ran off and crawled underneath a car. In her panic, the mother raised the car to extract the child. And I don't know if there's any videos on this, but this is a famous recorded thing where, you know, you have bookshelves that fall on, 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 on children or heroic deeds where someone does something that's inhumane in some ways to the naked eye, meaning in the sense of what the norm is. But that's something that we can really decide for ourselves of what is the norm. But when this person is doing something, this mother, where there's a will, there's a way, but she's taking it to the next level. There's something that, yes, the human strength, but when you don't look at, oh my God, I can't pick up that car, and you just see your child there, it changes your whole outlook of, of, of the way we're supposed to be going about doing the things that we're, that we're supposed to be doing. In her heightened state, 
Her inhibitions were removed, and she was able to do something that four strong people together could not have done. But far beyond any available physical strength, we have used, or we use, only a fraction of our brains. It was related that when President Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, appointed Frank Knox as Secretary of the Navy, Roosevelt's aides asked why he had chosen Knox. Roosevelt replied, he was the only one who did not know that the job could not be done. Unfortunately, we often doubt our abilities and we resign ourselves to lesser performance because we do not believe we are capable of doing greater things. In the early 1950s, we witnessed an interesting phenomenon. It was widely accepted that running a four-minute mile was beyond human ability. Then, Roger Bannister broke the record and ran the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. After that, the number of runners did even better. Why hadn't anyone done it earlier? Because everyone had assumed that it was impossible. And like my father-in-law and mother-in-law like to say, you know what happens when you assume? You make an ass out of you and me, A-S-S-U-M-E. And I think that's, that's so true for how we should be thinking about ourselves. Like, oh, that can't be done, or I can't do that. That goes so far when we assume and how that holds us back in a certain way. On that note, also, I remember something. Um, I spent a, a summer, or at least part of a summer once, in a um, Boy Scout-type camp. And I remember we did a... a, a cave excursion and the guy that led the place was charlie big guy um you know a former football player on his high school team and the motto of the trip became if charlie can do it anyone can there are some times where you're crawling uh, literally on all fours trying to get through certain areas in the cave and we're like oh this can't be done but then we think about it of if we can if charlie can do it anyone can and we were told when we were training a little bit before we started the excursion was Take the word I can't out of your dictionary. And I thought it was such a great point that, and I, I still use it today, 25 years later, that concept of I can't, if that doesn't exist, we can pretty much do so much more. I'm not going to say anything on, under the sun because that's not true. But we are the ones that put the chains and the restrictions on ourselves. Continues Dr. Torsky over here. I once saw a poster depicting birds in flight. The caption read, they fly because they think they can. Although we might be hesitant to set a high goal for ourselves because we do not want to take the risk of being disappointed with failure, our happiness depends on aspiring to greater things, to be the best we can be, which is something that we talked about in the last episode a little bit. I want to read that sentence again. Although we might be hesitant to set a high goal for ourselves because we do not want to take the risk of being disappointed with failure, our happiness depends on aspiring to greater things and to be the best we can be. There is a popular saying, a horse dreams of a bale of hay. That is all the horse is capable of dreaming of. We can dream of much greater things. True, some of us do not have talents that others have. Some people can see things that others do not see. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind with this is, uh, if you get a chance to look at, to take a look at it, I think it was in 1999 or 2000. Um, one of the most popular movies at the time was called Goodwill Hunting, 
a great, great screen screenplay written by two very, very good friends. And there was a, a scene in there where this is genius of a kid that is, because of his upbringing, sort of stuck. And I say that was in air, with air quotations in a in a um, uh, in a uh, what's it called a worker's job in cons- in construction. Excuse me, sorry about that. In a construction company, while meanwhile he can accomplish anything with his with his abilities to resolve any math problem, and the therapist pretty much tells him in one of the scenes, in a famous scene in the movie, and honestly something that I remember because of what they were talking about, of, you're so scared of what you might see in your own head. You'd rather stay in misery, and misery loves company type concept, where why go anywhere else? Because right here, as garbagey and as crappy as it may be, just stay here because it's comfortable. So you'll always be miserable. But the second you take yourself out of that situation, and only you can do that on your own, that's when you will be able to actually make a difference, most importantly, in and for yourself. So we, continues Dr. Torsky over here, we can dream of greater things. True, some of us don't have the talents that others have. Some people can see things that others do not see. It is said that when Michelangelo looked at a block of marble, he saw the statue within it. All he had to do was chip away the exterior marble to reveal it which I think was something that he was asked, well, then how do you find what you do? He said, oh, I'm, it's already in there. I'm just the one that's taking it out of the stone. Though we may lack Michelangelo's extraordinary perception, there is no doubt that we have resources within us that are untapped. Some people, when passing age 50 or so, may give up on aspiring, figuring that if they do have not accomplished anything great until then, they are not likely to do so in their later years. This is a serious mistake. I actually happen to know a therapist that f- deals specifically with depression in midlife crisis individuals because people feeling inadequate in their own skin. So continues over here. We're on the top of page 91 for anyone that's following along over here. And this is a serious, serious mistake when you have people that are giving up and saying, I'm not going to aspire to anything as I get to a certain age. Many great things have been accomplished by people long after they pass so-called prime life. For example, Oscar Hammerstein was 64 when he wrote the lyrics to The Sound of Music. Michelangelo was 72 when he designed the dome of St. Uh, uh, Peter's place in the Rome. Frank Lloyd Wright was 91 when he completed his work on the Guggenheim Museum. In his book, Late Bloomers, Brendan Gill cites many examples of ordinary people who launched new and productive careers after their retirement. I have not read that book, but it's on my list. I'm sure like many people out there that uh, are listening to something like this, which is trying to just be better versions of of ourselves, and something that I think we can all use a little bit of. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, but maybe that's for a different story. But right now, to hear that there's a book that talks about, hey, you can do it too, that can be very, very attractive to and appealing to someone that is going through something at a certain age and feeling like they could be an, an inadequate. So note out there, book is called Late Bloomers by Brendan Gill. 
The key is to think of self-fulfillment in terms of effort rather than outcome. All we can do is make the best effort possible. And I read that very slowly on purpose. I have it underlined here. I think it's so important. I had a teacher in eighth grade that never marked a test based on how well you did, but on the effort that you put in for the test. We used to study in the class and peers, and he marked the test based on the effort that you were putting in. He didn't mark. And at the time, it didn't make a difference to me. I didn't think of it. But as I got older, I realized how vile that was. And I remember one time not even doing well on the test at all, but getting a little bit of a call out from him just to acknowledge the effort that I put in, which honestly, I didn't do that much. But that confidence that it put into me in that situation was uncanny for what it's meant to me to till today. The problem is that we have allowed commercial principles to impact our personal lives. In commerce, for example, good and bad are judged by the bottom line. An enterprise that was started in the most careless manner yet earned a, a huge profit is considered a good business venture. One that was started with careful planning and, and consultation, but went bankrupt is considered a bad business venture. Or think of parents who did their utmost in raising their children, but one child turned out to be antisocial. Many would see them as bad parents, while parents who were abusive and, and neglectful and happened to have a child who was a Nobel Prize winner might be considered good parents. And I put those in ear quotations. I don't think a child should be judged on their accomplishments, but on their effort, which is what we're saying here. But also parents should not look at themselves as less accomplished because they're, they're, this one child has not done as well as the others, or this one child is not going to, quote-unquote, make anything of themselves. The point is for them to be as satisfied and as good and as purposeful within their own life. Forget about the world and society, but society, unfortunately, doesn't teach us that. So I'm going to go a little bit faster over here because I know this is one of, one of the longer podcasts that we've uh, been recording. Spirituality depends on process rather than outcome. I'm going to say that again. Spirituality depends on process rather than outcome. Take the example of two surgeons. One surgeon is, mo- is motivated by avarice and performs a needless operation solely to collect a hefty fee. Avarice is someone that, in general, likes doing things more for the wealthy benefit behind it. He happens to find a cancer which was not symptomatic and would not have been detected on any tests. Although he saves a patient's life, he's still a scoundrel, and that's obviously putting it simple. Another surgeon agonizes over a difficult case. She seeks opinions from several consultations and discusses high risks with the patient and his family. Ultimately, she concludes that it is the patient's best interest to operate. Although the patient does not survive the operation, the doctor is honorable and and ethical. If we consider only the results, excuse me, If we consider only the results, the first surgeon is good and the second surgeon is bad. However, the reverse is true. No one has control over outcome, only the process. Judging by outcome may be appropriate for commerce, but in our personal lives, the measure of success and therefore our happiness, it depends on the quality of effort invested. 
To put it another way, our happiness depends on how and why we do what we do, not on the results. So it's our actions that speak louder than our accomplishments. Even if we do not achieve success, as our commercial world might define it, our efforts will make the best persons we can be. So you be or you are the best person that you can be by being all you can be, which is what the concept of what the army, at least in America, is trying to do. I know that was a little bit long over here, but I thought this is a great lesson. I learned a lot over here. I hope you did as well. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Questions, comments, concerns. You can reach out to me at koshercounseling at gmail.com.